0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete.
1: What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Today, we are going to get some audio clips of President Biden's press conference, the first press conference that the new president has held. And I was just kind of left thinking we waited two months for this. Now, uh, don't wait any longer for a mattress. If spring cleaning is on your agenda, and let's be honest, it should be right, because cleaning is important. Um, Spring cleaning, if it includes throwing out your mattress, then go where Christy and I went to get our mattress, Mattress Man Stores, mattressmanstores.com, four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They have local five-star delivery service. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. They ship nationwide. And as part of their spring cleaning sale, they are giving away a complete bedding set for free with the purchase of select mattresses. Or if you don't want the linens, the bed linens, uh, you can get a free anchor weighted blanket. Have you tried one of these? Christy got one and she loves it. It's like the blanket weighs 20 pounds. <laughs> I think they're like there's weights in them and it simulates a hug. Basically, it's like a it's a way to combat anxiety. And let's be honest, you know, after a year of pandemic, uh, don't you think we all deserve a hug? right about now. So head on over to Mattress Man. They are the exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic, uh, which is in Fayetteville, right here in North Carolina. These are the beds that are at the Biltmore Estates Hotel and the Inn. So uh, get onto a bed of luxury at Mattress Man. The sleep consultants will help you pick the right ones for you. Remember, take advantage of all of their flexible financing options. They've got a way to help you get on the right bed at the right price. Uh, They've got deals like no interest for two years. Okay. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. Let me give a shout out also to some of the people who helped make the program possible, like Nick, Catherine, Monica, Les, Mary, Eric, Peggy, Tavis, Kristen, Beth and Al, and Eugene. Uh, thanks for becoming patrons of the program. They literally uh, they keep me afloat. They are supporting the program, so I can do this every single day, along with the sponsors of the show. Uh, So I've got uh, audio clips from the president's press briefing, um, and uh, I've got an interview uh, coming up here with uh, former Congressman Mark Walker, who is running for U.S. Senate. We'll get his thoughts on it as well. But to give you an idea of the general flavor of the questions, uh, here's a montage of how the press handled the president.
2: You mentioned your progress
1: on COVID-19. I'd like to ask you about some of the other issues uh, facing your presidency. Uh, One of the defining challenges you face in the coming months is how to deliver on your promise to Americans on issues like immigration reform, gun control, voting rights, climate change. All of those right now are facing stiff, united opposition from Republicans on Capitol Hill. How far are you willing to go to achieve those promises that you made to the American people? Can your presidency be a success if you can't make progress on those four challenges climate change immigration reform gun control voting well, rights
3: um you've said over and over again that Immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying one, if you could talk a little bit about which families, why they're being allowed to say what the families that are being allowed to say, why they're being allowed to say. In addition to that, when it comes to the filibuster, which is what Zeke was asking about, there's immigration is is a big issue, of course, with when it related to the filibuster. But there's also Republicans who are passing bill after bill, trying to restrict voting rights. Chuck Schumer is calling it an, an existential threat to democracy. Why not back a filibuster rule that at least gets around? The, issues, including voting rights or immigration. Jim Clyburn, someone of course who you know very well, um, has backed the idea of a filibuster rule when it comes to civil rights and voting rights.
2: Given the conditions that were just laid out at the migrant facilities at the US border, will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward?
0: I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway to let you have access to not just them but to other facilities as well how
2: soon will journalists be able to have access to the facilities we've obviously been allowed to be inside one but we haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the american people a chance to see that will you commit to transparency on this issue? i will
0: commit to transparency and as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now,
2: You bear responsibility for everything that's happening at the border now. I hear you talking a lot about the past administration. You decided to roll back some of those policies. Did you move too quickly? To, to roll, to
0: roll back, back what I'm some sorry?
2: Policies. Did you move too quickly to roll back some of the executive orders of your predecessor?
0: First of all, all the policies are underway. We're not helping at all did not slow up the amount of immigration and as many people coming. And rolling back the policies of separating children from their, from their mothers, I make no apology for that.
2: let ask you about foreign policy, Mr. President. Overnight, we learned that North Korea tested two ballistic missiles. What, if any, actions will you take and what is your red line on North Korea? Just very
0: quick. You only got another hour now. okay?
2: (laughs) Diplomacy. Can you define what you mean? And former President Obama warned the incoming President Trump that North Korea was the top foreign policy issue that he was washing. Is that how you assess the crisis in North Korea?
1: Yes. So you kind of get a sense that maybe they weren't pushing too hard on the president. I'm sure it's got nothing to do with his party affiliation. All right, we're going to get back to the president's uh, press briefing. But first, I want to welcome to the program former North Carolina Congressman Mark Walker. He was a pastor for nearly two decades. He went on to serve six years as the representative for North Carolina's sixth congressional district. He's now running for U.S. Senate. And welcome to the show, sir. How are you?
4: Big, we're doing great i hope that you are thanks for the opportunity
1: certainly certainly so you served uh what three terms in washington dc then the new maps got drawn as part of the court ordered redistricting and it meant that the seat you were in if i remember correctly was essentially unwinnable for a republican and some folks may think now well you were out why are you getting sucked back in to dc <laughs> why would you do that to yourself
4: well a couple things there yes we we were already planning to run for u.s senate when the district was redrawn and uh we decided to just kind of save a pool of resources we had already heard uh, richard burr had announced his retirement that he was not going to run for a different term uh, or another term so we decided to jump in there and the reason why is because we feel like that even in this swamp arena. That we've had some success that's been able to be measured we uh we became the first uh member ever to, at our end of our first term to run and win the chairman of the largest conservative caucus, in fact, the largest caucus of any kind in Congress, the Republican Study Committee, uh, went on to vice chair in the last two years we've spent as the ranking member on intelligence and counterterrorism for our Homeland Security Committee. So we've had some opportunities to really engage the process, and, and we want to continue the work that we've done on behalf of Central North Carolina, which is that Greensboro to a little bit of carry there uh, on behalf of the entire state.
1: I saw that you met with the vice president, former vice president, Mike Pence, uh, I guess, what, first up in Washington, D.C. the other day and then in North Carolina, which seems like a lot of time that you spent with him. Uh, So what did you guys talk about?
4: Well, I, I consider the vice president uh, a, a good friend. Uh, he was chairman a few years ahead of I before I was of the Republican Study Committee. And we actually worked together uh, in, in when they uh, when the President Trump and Vice President Pence first arrived, I had just become a chairman of that position. So I reached out to Vice President Pence. I said, if you'll work with me, if you will co-host the meetings, we will actually put everybody in the room to repeal the individual mandates on the on uh, what was ACA, Obamacare, while also defunding Planned Parenthood. He said, Mark, I'm in. Over the next two to three weeks, we actually got everybody, all the committee chairs, all the different caucus groups and the different factions, if you will, and we put the bones together that eventually became the repeal. Uh, and, uh, got through the house. Of course, it's, you know, everybody remembers John McCain voting that down at the very end. Well, that was, that was where our relationship began to form with the vice president Pence. And we, obviously we talked about many things, including this U S Senate race.
1: Did he give you any advice? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, of course he did. Uh, and, uh, and I, I guess your next question would what be what, what would was it? Right. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think we have a kindred spirit. Obviously we are uh, we, we both come from a very similar faith background mm-hmm. and just keeping our walk where it needs to be. And, and one of the things that I allotted him for is that he served in the U.S. Congress, served as vice president uh, and kept his reputation and his name intact. And that's that's very difficult to do with with the amount of personal partisanship that we see in our specifically our federal politics today.
1: Yeah. I noticed on your Facebook page that a bunch of your supporters were not happy actually with Mike Pence and you meeting with him they accused him of being a traitor uh for not I guess throwing out the 2020 election results um and I, I thought that it's a pretty good highlight of the what I would consider to be a rift inside the party. You mentioned earlier, you know, the different factions and such. Do you see that as a significant schism going on? And how do you unite people under one banner, if if so?
4: Well, that's that's actually a very, a very in-depth question. I would push back a little bit on a bunch of supporters, I think, in, in scanning the post as I'm traveling today. I I think we what are six seven hundred likes, and I think there were a dozen. Most of the time, the people the most vocal. But but I, I look at Vice President Pence, and I've been on with on flying with him on Air Force Two multiple times. There was never even a single underheaded comment or, or an off joke, if you will, about President Trump. He was very loyal, uh, and uh, and stayed engaged and tried to work on the policy side of things. So I think it's a little bit of unfair. Uh, hit on my uh, uh, vice, former vice president because I think he is a man of character and he looks to do the right thing. Uh, are there different schisms and factions? Yes, there are. And that's why I think I'm a good candidate to do that when it comes to electability, even better than some of the other candidates. Because if you look at my record, not only are we considered one of the top conservatives uh, every year, top 1% or 2%. The last year, for example, we were the only Republican, the only one in the entire U.S. House to win the President's Award from the United Negro College Foundation. We were the only Republican to give a commencement address at one of our historical black college universities. So when it comes to bringing people together, not just in the Republican camp or the conservative camp, maybe it's the pastor background that I had for, for 16 years or so, but that's part of our heart because I believe and I'm convinced that individual liberty, hope and opportunity uh, should be communicated to all of our communities. We no longer can afford simply to preach this message to the choir, so to speak. And that's my brand. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And we want to continue to do that statewide.
1: I actually uh, read a piece at National Review from back in 2016 uh, where uh, you were uh, you were talking about how the GOP, uh, it's not that it lacks innovative policies to, uh, you know, to reach these people, but it's just that you do a terrible job <laughs> of of uh, outreach and explaining some of the policies and these ideas on how to fight poverty. So looking back now, it's been six years since that piece was written. How has <laughs> how has the Republican Party done in the last six I- years?
4: Not a, not a great deal better and in, in being simply transparent. And that's one of the things that, that that we're trying to, especially since we've had a chance to serve in some different leadership capacities, is try to educate, try to help uh, understand that, that the conduit, the message to deliver this is not not more programs, not more policies. Republicans sometimes fall in that trap. Well, if we just pass more legislation or more bills, then people will like us. And what's missing is the element of the genuine relationship that the heart aspect and and people what is the old adage people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care that's an old cliche but there's there's actually a foundation truth in it and that means showing up that means arriving and and participating in in events even when you're not the keynote guy even when you have to sit on the back row because if you do not have the conduit of any trust built up There's no there's no reason that people should trust you or listen to what you're saying specifically when it's contrary to some of the thoughts some of the education, some of the political perspectives or positions that certain communities have. And that's why I feel like that we've had uh, maybe a little different entity. And I think that's why in North Carolina, like a purple state. Our our conservative credentials are bona fide, but do you want somebody who simply is one dimensional, I would ask, or do you want somebody who already for six years uh, can be a conservative Republican but still can go in and out of places where Republicans aren't normally invited or welcome. And I hope that's driven not from my political positions, but I hope ultimately it comes from or driven from my heart.
1: Well, I would, yeah, I'd submit that it's a lot easier to ascribe a really nefarious motive to a person when you don't know them and know what their heart is.
0: Great
4: point, Pete. Yeah. And that's what we see sometimes when in the political, the world of social media, the different arenas that we have. Uh, you're you're already prescribed one way, so you're you're working to build the trust tank back up. You don't get to start at a level playing field for the different factors historically and politically that we see today.
1: So one of the things people outside of politics I don't think realize, but will learn very quickly when they run for an office, is the amount of time uh, that it takes to travel between all of the different locations. You're actually in the car right now on your way to another event. I noticed the other day. On uh, your Facebook page, you uh, it seemed like an endorsement of pork skins and beef jerky as the road food (laughs) of choice. And I'm not sure. Right. Your wife is a nurse. Don't think she would approve of that menu, per se. Um, So you're doing now this statewide tour, right, because you're running for the U.S. Senate. How is that different? Were you expecting that level of uh, travel in the state versus your experience running in a congressional seat?
4: Another great observation, Pete. Yeah, most of the districts, you've got an hour, hour and a half uh, kind of circumference, if you will. So there, so you're, you're able to be at a lot more events and a lot uh, more opportunities to get out there and just be one-on-one. But I, I will tell you, I, I absolutely love it, uh, and, and I, I love traveling the state. I love meeting people, listening to their concerns. It's one of the reasons that I never moved my family to Washington, D.C. I wanted to come back in six years. I was uh, only missed two weekends that I didn't get back on that plane on Thursday or Friday, come back, attend the Boy- Eagle Scout pinnings, attend the Lincoln Reagan dinners. They're just something that you get when you're out there with the people. And I think that's the way that actually the founding fathers intended it to be as far as a, a bivocational where you return the people and, and then go to D C and serve on, on their certainly the important issues in the legislation. But but yeah, I, I I have learned that North Carolina is about nine and a half hours wide from point to <laughs> point. Uh, but uh, but we're having a blast getting out there and actually on our way up to Cherokee to meet with the uh, uh, chief of the Eastern Bend of Cherokee Indians and their council. They've also endorsed us, along with Senator Tim Scott, Governor Mike Huckabee, Madison Cawthorn. In fact, every sheriff that we've represented on the GOP side have already, a year from the primary, uh, come out and endorsed us, as well as every Current elected and past uh, Guilford County, Greensboro, where I'm home, uh, they, they've all come out and endorsed us as well, 33 to zero at this point. And so we're we're making some progress. We've not arrived. We've got a lot of work. Uh, we want people to look into how we've managed ourselves and, and realize that 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 the way we operate in this, we don't come at it breathing fire every single day. There are times where you have to do that but if you leave scorched earth i'm i'm one that believes that you have some responsibility to cultivate the soul it just can't be about making an argument it also has to be about making a difference
1: so uh, you mentioned the long distance relationship i had some experience with this my wife and i did that for about 8 years uh and every weekend we you know one of us would be going to the other city where we you know we wow. and, and that was difficult and uh, you yes. did it for 6 years so how and it was it was always interesting people's reaction to that. Um there you know they, it was either wow that's you know that must be really great when you get back together on weekends and then the other was you know oh wow that must be really difficult and the answer is like yes to both of those <laughs> right? it's, yeah. Yeah. it's it's well, tough but there are benefits just like everything else but um so how did you do that for so long i mean i got to imagine that that would put a tremendous amount of stress not just on the fa- uh, on you but also your family because you got kids we don't have kids so w- we didn't have that additional stress
4: well you, Pete, let me tell you, you are really getting this into some neat topics here, and I, I, I love this. Uh, you, uh, here's the secret. Um, my wife is not deity, but I don't think she's one of us either. I think she's somewhere in between. She's that big of a, <laughs> I that's a saint classification or not. Uh, but she is, she is a family nurse practitioner. For most of her career, she flew on Be- Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center's uh, Air Care heli- Helicopter Program Trauma Nurse she helped launch the Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner Program. She's just a wonderful human being that if she primaried me, she would beat me four to one, I think. But, um, <laughs> but she's a great person. And she just she was supported from day one. Uh, well, after day one, I, when I when I first I remember I was watching a national election. This is probably seven and a half years ago. And I literally walked down the hall and, and I said, Kelly, I said, babe, I'm running for the United States Congress. And uh, I won't tell you verbatim what she she first told me, but but we <laughs> we eventually got some encouragement support. No, I'm just teasing with you. But she's been great. And uh, yes, our, our youngest was six or seven years old at the time when we started this process. But uh, but I, I, I've been blessed to have someone uh that that just has been a, a trooper and a warrior and uh, has lifted arms at many times and I, I could not say enough wonderful things about her
1: yeah a lot of people don't realize the 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 strain and the pressure that is put on the families of people who run for office and a lot of times um it's harder on the families than it is on you on the candidate because they want to defend you <laughs> when people attack you and you're just like eh, i don't care but they care because uh, they care about well, you I-
4: no, you, you're right. And, and you do care, even as a candidate, I, the first 60 to, 90, uh, 60 to 90 days I was in office, I, you know, I took everything to heart. I just said, well, if those people can really see my motives and understanding, and you have to get past some of that and just say true as far as what you believe your values are. But yes, the family, sometimes you almost want to shield them from that because it is much more personal for them.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned some of the endorsements that you've picked up, and this is a big uh, a big focus. I've noticed of a lot of like your website, by the way, which your comms team is going to be mad that you haven't mentioned your website it's walker4nc.com that's the number four walker4nc.com but uh you've got a lot of endorsements already why is that important i think like to people outside of politics why why should we care that you're racking up all of these endorsements this early in the in the primary uh contest
4: Uh, Pete, it's ultimately that's not the most important thing, but I think it is a factor for people to at least say, well, okay, let's take a look at this guy. If these kinds of people who are respected among the different circles are coming out and endorsing, uh, what is it about this candidate? In this case, what is it about Mark Walker uh, that these people, uh, which is a little bit abnormal that would come out this early, a year away from a primary election, that would be saying, you know what, we'll put our name next down next, down to his. And some of those guys, like Tim Scott, like a Senator James Langford, like others, some of the sheriffs, they actually have elections coming up in the same time. So I am overwhelmed with gratitude uh, that they would do so. And, uh, you know, even the people that know us best that have served with us in Greensboro and High Point, to have all of those folks come out, do a group picture and say, you know what, we're supporting Mark Walker, I'm, I'm deeply in debt. But it also says, to, in my opinion, the people who know you the best are the people who work with you on a local level. So these sheriffs and these county commissioners and city councilmen and, 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 and school board educators, all of these wonderful people that would come out, I'm hoping that it's, that it sends a message, you know, let's take a look at this guy. Is, is this guy genuine? Is he, does he have some substance here or is he just another hot air politician? And that's one of the reasons I think strategically that you get that information out there early.
1: All right. More with Congressman Walker in a moment. First, uh, if you are thinking about buying or selling a home, then here is the only name you need to know. Rowena Patton. She is the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in the Asheville area. uh, And that means you get to keep, as a buyer or a seller, 25% of the realtor commissions. You keep that. And this is a program, national program, that's open to local folks who are police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, uh, members of the military, so veterans, active duty, retirees. Um, Keep more of your own money, buying or selling. And Rowena Patton is the only Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Nashville. Give her a call at 333-4483. Her website is mountainhomehunt.com. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. She's the only agent uh, that I would uh, call to sell a house. She is the only agent that we called to buy our house. 333-4483. Call Rowena Patton and then start packing. I'm speaking with former North Carolina Congressman Mark Walker. He is a candidate for U.S. Senate in uh, the upcoming uh, Senate race here in North Carolina uh, in well, next year, I guess. But it's already underway. We are already underway. So did you get a chance to watch any of the president's first press conference? And if so, do you have any like we'll start like with general thoughts on his performance or anything he said?
4: I I did get to see most of it, uh, and then the rest of it I I caught a little bit later. Uh, Yeah, I I was. My my immediate impression is it makes me a little sad sometimes because when I see him kind of reading verbatim an answer like China and uh, you know last two years my position as on Homeland Security, uh, looking at some of that and knowing that instinctively you ought to understand some of China's behavior. Uh, not just the trade deals, but the buildup in the South China Sea, the military buildup. Uh, the see him being tied so much to his staff, so much to his talking points and his handlers. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that causes me some pause and even really even causes me some concern to see that he's that programmed he went that long without a, 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 a press conference. Uh, that that troubles me and uh, and and how much authority he's already turning over to uh, the Vice President. Uh, I I think it's something that's that's certainly not from the traditional format that we've seen from previous presidents.
1: Right. I didn't have any problem with him using a cheat sheet to uh, call out reporters. Uh, But every foreign policy answer he gave, he read from a script. And I guess maybe they're trying to avoid him saying something that's going to cause some sort of, you know, international diplomatic disaster. But I would also think by this point he would have a pretty good handle on what he should be saying. On
4: China. well after four yeah after th- what, three and a half decades in the Senate and eight years as the vice president where this was one of the key positions that you have to to wait on a lower level staff person to be able to write verbatim what you're supposed to say about these things I just don't think it gives the American people confidence in his is all over the place on the border issues uh, I, I guess they're still not calling it a crisis <laughs> uh, even though he alluded to that in many cases but you can't can't have it both ways when he says uh, at one point I believe it I'm paraphrasing that most of these are not younger children they're older adults that they're trying to work and they're sending the bulk of them back one they're only sending about 12% back number two five minutes after he said that he talked about moving a thousand children from one facility to another uh so it it, just the the uh, you know i don't want to say blanket lying i think i don't even know sometimes if he understands fully as far as the dimensions and the statistics that he's using that he's been fed but i think it's troubling and i'm not just trying to be partisan here uh but but i think just looking at it from an honest perspective I don't think it was a good press conference.
1: Last question I wanted to ask you about uh, was the filibuster, because uh, the media seemed very interested in getting Biden to agree to blow it up. Um, And uh, but I I saw that you had participated in a values voter summit back in October 2017. And you seemed to indicate at that uh, summit that you were uh, on board with the idea of getting rid of the filibuster. So do you like this idea? Do you want to see it, quote, reformed in some way?
4: I I think it can be reformed, but I would I would be I would have great pause of throwing it out specifically when it's just for political maneuvering. I I do believe there things are that we have been able to work since that time in 17 from from a budget reconciliation where you only do need the 51 votes for things that are economically impact. But when it comes to some of the issues uh, that we're seeing that they're wanting that the Democrats are wanting to throw away, I I don't think that's going to happen. I you know, Joe Manchin and the other uh, Democrat senator, Kirsten Sinema, mm-hmm. who I work with in the House, I think both of them have expressed and pushed back. Uh, because I really worry about H.R. 1. I worry worry about H.R. 5, both the, both, both the turning over all of our election laws to the federal government scares me to death. And then H.R. 5, the Equality Act, as far as some of the religious liberty infringements, if both of those were able to pass right now, I believe it would be very damaging or any time would be very damaging to our country.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, a U.S. Senate candidate and former North Carolina Congressman Mark Walker, thank you very much for your time. Safe travels through the state uh, on the campaign. You're hitting all of these GOP conventions, and uh, uh, we look to have you back on the program soon.
4: Pete, we look forward to it. God bless, my friend. Take care, sir.
1: All right. We're going to start listening to some of these clips from the uh, press conference that Joe Biden held yesterday. First, I want to tell you about Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, You know spring is here. It's time for you to start thinking about the gear that you need over the next few weeks to get out into the outdoors, whether it's hiking, camping, or fishing. Um, If you're a hunter, you need the right gear, okay? And uh, Old Grouch's Military Surplus can equip you, can outfit you for your adventures. Also, they can make sure that you've got your first aid kits, your emergency kits for the vehicle, but also for your backpack. Go check them out. They're in downtown Clyde on Main Street. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. Uh, Tons of real U.S. military surplus as well for more than three decades Old Grouch's military surplus across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. All right. So President Joe Biden says that he is there to get stuff done and the Republicans are going to need to get on board with that. And here's the
0: deal. I think my Republican colleagues are going to have to determine whether or not we want to work together or they'll decide that the way in which they want to proceed is to uh, is to uh, just uh, um, decide to divide the country, continue the politics of division. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to move forward and take <laughs> these things as they come. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not going to divide people. He's just going to say, like, you guys better not be divisive. You better get together with me on the stuff that I want to do. Um and, you know, he took some shots at Donald Trump. He took a shot at Mitch McConnell. Uh, and this is the thing that kind of makes me nuts in the, the, the kind of coverage that uh, Democrats enjoy. It's that uh, they get to say they're all about unity, that they're all about cooperation. They want everybody to come together. And it just gets accepted as true. It's the premise upon which all of the questions from the media get asked. Surely Joe Biden wants to get along with everybody because Joe Biden is a great guy. He's fantastic. Look, he's all about unity. He was asked about the crisis at the border. Sorry, the don't call it a crisis. Crisis at the border. Uh, And then he began a really long and rambling answer before he got to this part. It's going to take
0: time. And the other thing we're doing, I might add, Am I giving you too long an answer? Because if you don't want the detail. No, no. But I mean, I, I don't know how much detail you want about immigration. Maybe I'll stop there and finish. Yeah,
1: this this is not a stuttering problem, by the way, that uh, Biden is exhibiting. This is lost train of thought. This is he's reading the room and he sees that people are like getting, uh, I don't want to say frustrated, but. I don't know, they're, 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 they're getting uncomfortable, they're getting bored with his answers. Do you ever, have you ever been in a situation like that where you're talking at great length? This happens to me all the time. You're talking at great length, and you realize that at some point, people are not interested in what you're saying anymore, <laughs> and so they, they kind of stop talking. So you, you realize, oh, okay, I need to shut up because I've lost the room. And I think that's what he thought was occurring, and so he stopped. Um, which is kind of remarkable in that a politician stops talking like that. But I also wonder if there's something else going on here. And I have not been one that's been you know beating the drum that Joe Biden is senile. I haven't been saying that sort of stuff. I am, but but I do notice some things that are kind of concerning to me. And I think this is one of them. And people who, who have someone in their lives or have had someone in their lives uh, that suffers from you know, this sort of deterioration um, and like part of it, I understand he's 78 years old. Like, I get that. OK, and he's going to lose his train of thought. He's going to ramble like this. I, I get that. But this seemed to me to be sort of a an, an exhibition of one of these types of uh, traits where you start talking and you look around and you realize, wait, something's not right, but you maybe can't read the social cue correctly. And so you just say, I'm just going to stop talking now. Well, whatever. And that's kind of concerning, but maybe I'm reading too much into it and I'm not attacking him for this or anything. I'm just pointing this out because that's what struck me. He was also asked repeatedly about getting rid of the filibuster.
0: With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. And And that's a joke. That's a joke. It used to be required for the filibuster. And I I had a card on this. I was going to give you the statistics, but you probably know them. uh, So before he he does these, he literally has a stack of cards in
1: his suit pocket, his inner pocket on his uh, blazer. And he pulls them out and he starts rifling through them. And he's got all these stats and data points. And he uses them throughout the press conference. And it's and then he like leaves them on the podium. He's got like I said, I'm fine with him reading the list of reporters' names, who to call it is his comms team. You know, says hey, pick these, they're friendlies. You know, I, I'm I understand that. I don't understand you having a whole set of note cards with the information that you need to speak. You know, in, in public about that to me is kind of concerning. And at some parts, all he did was read from the note cards. Just looking down at the cards, reading a statement, and then calling on somebody else. That happened a couple of times. That's
0: kind of concerning as well. It used to be that uh, the, that well, from between 1917 and 1971, the filibuster existed. There were a total of 58 motions to break a filibuster that whole time. Last year alone... There were five times that many. Five times as many
1: motions on the filibuster last year alone. So 250 something times. Um, Those were all Democrats, folks. Democrats were the ones filibustering that much. So he's criticizing. So he's saying Democrats keep abusing the filibuster. So we need to get rid of it. So Democrats can not have to worry about the Republicans abusing the filibuster against them. That's essentially what he's... Now, you would not know that because nobody in the uh, press corps thought to
0: ask that kind of a follow-up question, which is pretty remarkable. So it's being abused in a gigantic way. And for example, it used to be you had to stand there and talk and talk and talk and talk until you collapsed. And guess what? People got tired of talking and tired of collapsing. Filibusters broke down and we were able to break the filibuster, get a quorum and vote. So I strongly support moving in that direction, in addition to having an open mind about dealing with certain things that are, are just elemental to the functioning of our democracy, like the right to vote, like the basic right to vote. We've amended the filibuster in the past. But here's the deal. As you observed, I'm a fairly practical guy. I want to get things done. I want to get them done consistent with what we promised the American people. And in order to do that in a 50-50 Senate, we've got to get to the place where I get 50 votes so that the Vice President of the United States can break the tie, or I get 51 votes without her.
1: By the way, this is a recipe for not unity, just for the record here. Like, trying to trying to ram things through on a 50-50 split And then getting the vice president to hustle on over from, you know, Pennsylvania Avenue and and vote for, you know, the bill that's in a deadlock tie 50-50. That's not the way you build unity. That's not how you do that. But he's all about unity.
0: And so I'm going to say something outrageous. Outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, uh, I, I, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown what? and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. I,
1: I don't know what he's talking about now. I don't think he realized what he was talking about there. Because did did you catch that? Like, what exactly happened there?
0: So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, uh, I'm we're going to get a lot done. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. If you're looking to get a lot done and you don't have the right equipment, then head on over to General Equipment Rental. They've got the right equipment and you can rent it from them. And they'll show you how to use it too. So it's a win-win, <laughs> especially if you're not particularly mechanically inclined. Uh, they are specialists in Honda and Husqvarna products, outdoor power equipment. And uh, they're actually your official licensed um, sales and service provider for both of those brands. And uh, right now they've got a great deal going on. You can pick up a Husqvarna Stand on mower for a great deal, $3,500 off. So you get legendary Husqvarna power performance and reliability uh, simply by adding together two deals. These are two different deals, but General Equipment Rental knows about the deals and how they can kind of stack onto each other. And so one of them is a twenty five percent off MSRP for purchasing a nine point fleet item, and then the other one is a thousand dollar instant rebate when you buy a V five forty eight or V five fifty four stand on mower, add them together, bam, thirty five hundred dollars. So think it over, but time's running out, you got to the end of April. Uh this is the kind of deal that general equipment. Rental gets you as the official licensed Husqvarna outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So go to the website generalrents.com for all of the details. Uh, And if you're looking to, you know, purchase other items, they've got those as well, obviously. But rentals, chainsaws, trimmers, hedge clippers, um, blowers, commercial, residential, whatever project you're looking to get done, they will help you get it done. And when you have the right tool, it gets done a lot easier. Okay, take it from me. A person who has done large projects with the wrong tools (laughs) throughout the course of my life. So General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. They are located in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Dreams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. Generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. So in case you haven't realized, the filibuster was a main tool point, a main topic that was raised by the reporters. They are very, very interested. There is a full court press going on in Washington to get Democrats to abolish the filibuster, to blow it all up because they can't get all of their uh, what did Greg Sargent call it ambitious governance. They can't do this stuff that they want to do to us, to the population, to the country for our benefit. Of course, they can't get it done unless they blow up the filibuster because it's a 50-50 split. This is the thing that's really galling, too. It's not even like they're up by, you know, 60-40, and they need to, you know, gosh, we just need a couple more votes. Come on, guys. And they can't even squeeze out, you know, six votes. Or Like, they're not even close to a filibuster-proof majority, right? They're not even close to that. They're 50-50. It's a tie. But it's like everything else with Democrats. They want every tie to go to them. Tie goes to the runner, and we're always the runner. <laughs> So this is so here here you go. This is Caitlin Collins from CNN. She asks about the filibuster as well.
2: Uh, Regarding the filibuster at John Lewis's funeral, President Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era?
0: Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. Let's figure out how we can get this done and move in the direction of significantly changing the abuse of even the filibuster rule first. It's been abused from the time it came into being by an extreme way in the last 20 years. By Democrats. Let's deal with the abuse first.
2: It sounds like you're moving closer to eliminating the filibuster. Is that correct?
0: I
1: answered your question. Okay. notice what does not get asked is, well, Senator Biden, you supported the filibuster. You were a big supporter of the filibuster, as was your vice president, Kamala Harris. She used the filibuster last year. Barack Obama gave a big defense of the filibuster. So, you know, all four of the last, I mean, three people, but, you know, Obama, Biden, and now Biden and Harris, all four of the last Democratic presidents and vice presidents were all users of and defenders of the filibuster. So if it's a a Jim Crow relic, why were you using it? Right, because this is the argument: this is essentially it's racist. We need to get rid of it. Well, then why were two people of color, the last you know president and the current vice president, why were you guys using this Jim Crow relic? And this is what um, Byron York talked about being uh, this an embarrassing day for the White House press corps. He says there was a huge buildup. Uh, Before this press conference, we waited 64 days for this. And uh, whereas White House press handlers worried that he would commit some classic Biden gaffes, would he do that? Byron York says Biden was Biden. He handled some questions competently, and he did. I thought so. He wandered around on others. That's true. He seemed most energized when he was blaming his predecessor, Donald Trump, for the mess at the border that his own policies actually created. He stonewalled the press on the question of letting reporters and the nation see the overcrowded pens in which his administration is keeping illegal border crossers who are unaccompanied minors. He said, quote, I will commit to transparency as soon as I'm in a position to be able to implement what we are doing right now. In other words, you'll see it when we want you to see it and not a minute before. Um, But Biden's performance wasn't the worst in the East Room. The 10 reporters selected by the White House to ask questions, they ignored major issues, failed to follow up, and in at least one instance, attempted to flatter Biden in a performance that added up to an embarrassment for the White House press corps. The reporters, think about this, did not ask a single question about the pandemic. Not a single question about COVID. No vaccines, masks, the economic effects, the closing of the schools. Why is that? Is that the reporters are so out of touch with the American people? That's what Byron York says. I I tend to agree. I I I'm at a loss to understand how you could ignore that topic, particularly when the president starts off his news conference with an update on COVID, <laughs> he does like a three or four minute opening speech about COVID and gives some stats, reads off of some cards. And then they go on to the hammering away on the filibuster and illegal immigration at the border. Uh, I mean, there were some other questions, one about Afghanistan. You know, are we are going to be there in a year from now? And he says he doesn't think so, but who knows? Um, there were some questions about China. But again, on the foreign policy stuff, there was one about North Korea. On the foreign policy questions, he literally read from a scripted answer on that stuff. Um, and by the way, I know that there, there's... there's uh, There's this, you know, conspiracy theory out there that he got all of the questions ahead of time and like, oh, you know, the the press gave him the questions ahead of time to the White House because they're all friends. And so we knew what was going to get asked. And I don't believe that to be the case. I have not seen any evidence of that. I will say that Politico printed a story yesterday before the news conference (laughs) that said, press conference today, here's what reporters would like to ask. They literally did a story on asking all of these reporters that cover the White House what they would like to ask, questions they would like to see addressed. So, no, the the reporters did not need to send any emails ahead of time. Hey, here's what I'm going to ask. They literally just gave it to Politico. Politico published it. And now the White House knows (laughs) what they're going to ask. So what questions to be prepared for. So... um. It's yeah, it doesn't have to be. This was the same thing with like Obama targeting the um, the Tea Party, the IRS targeting the Tea Party. Right. The IRS did not need a memo from the president that said, hey, go target the Tea Party. They just needed to listen to his stump speeches because he was out there saying all of these groups need to be examined. Citizens United. Uh, this ruling by the Supreme Court was terrible, and uh, so it's all this, you know, this illegal money flowing into these organizations, and they need to be examined. Like, he was hammering away at the State of the Union, hammering away at that Supreme Court ruling. The IRS did not need a memo to go look at all of these Tea Party groups that that rose up in the wake of that ruling. Well, in the wake of Obama's... Uh, uh, Affordable Care Act, right? That was the response, the stimulus, the 2010 stimulus, and that's what, or the, yeah, the stimulus in 2008 that prompted the Tea Party rise in 2010. So uh, the it's never, it, it doesn't ever have to be that kind of, you know, uh, on the sly, back channel kind of messaging when, you know, you could just put it in Politico and everybody will read it <laughs> and it's just, you know, oh, it's a news story. Um, just as bad, uh, Byron York points out, uh, is the um, the questions were asked from a why don't you do it standpoint regarding the filibuster and he's exactly right right it, it it was egging him on all of the reporter's questions on the filibuster were all from this point of why don't you do it instead of asking like why is why is your view of this now changed because you guys were all about the filibuster up until like four minutes ago why are you now changing your mind on all of this does it Have anything to do with the fact that you want to get your agenda through? Um, If you are looking to sleep through the night without waking up and your mind racing, if you're uh, maybe looking for some lower tension, some immune system resilience, a balanced state of mind, have you tried CBD? CBD. I take drops before I go to bed. I sleep more deeply than I ever have before. And Grower's Hemp, full spectrum hemp extract is the product, the only product actually that, uh, that I take. Because these are North Carolina farmers, and truth be told, uh, one of the farmers that started the company is my brother-in-law, full disclosure, and uh, they, but he owns a farm, he's got farmer friends, they all got together, they were growing hemp, and they were like, you know what, why don't we set up a company and we'll control this whole process, from seed all the way to shelf. And so what you get is a better quality product, you get a lower price, and uh, you you get the satisfaction of helping North Carolina family farms, my brother-in-law. So uh, he's very appreciative. I am as well. Uh, As with all CBD products, I got to give you the official GovCode disclaimer requirement. That these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. And if you go to growershemp.com, you go to their website, use my name, Pete, type in Pete as the promo code, and you'll get 20% off. Growershemp.com, promo code Pete, 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So next up. Immigration, Cecilia Vega from ABC. I think she actually asked the best question here, I thought, uh, which prompted Biden to kind of stare blankly.
4: You blame the last administration, but is your messaging and saying that these children are and will be allowed to stay in this country and work their way through this process, encouraging families like Joe says to come?
0: Yes. Well, look, it is. <laughs> what? The idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, that if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump.
1: National Review's editorial board said the president brazenly lied about this. Reporters are not in the practice, obviously, of being particularly tough on President Biden. But at his first press conference, Cecilia Vega politely nailed him to the wall on a key failure of his border policy. Um, there's this belief among the migrants that Biden is going to let them in the country. And if you don't believe me, just look at the pictures of their shirts that literally say it. Um, this is why there is a surge on the border. Biden created an exemption in Title 42, the public health authority that Trump used to turn back migrants during the pandemic. And he, specifically, he um Uh, He created this exemption for minors. And so what do we see? A surge of minors. And in evading this reality throughout the press conference, Biden resorted to a haze of misrepresentations and inadvertently exposed the senselessness of his own policy. In response to that question, he echoes this distortion that's often made by his Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and said that Trump had dumped kids into the Mexican desert, except Biden went on to say, oh, you let them starve to death. It's disgraceful. It's a stupid allegation. The Trump administration either flew the kids back to their home countries directly or handed them over to Mexican authorities who did the same, flew them back to their country. So nobody was pushed into the desert. Okay. all. And by the way, no pushback on any of this from that media. Right. From the the reporters. Nobody challenges him on any of this stuff. Uh, In response to Vega, he said that the nine-year-old boy that she mentioned should be returned to his mother in Honduras. But that was precisely the Trump policy that Biden overturned and now falsely portrays as inhumane somehow. Under Biden's policy, that nine-year-old kid is in detention right now. Don't call it a cage, right? Uh, He's in a detention facility and he's not going to get sent back to Honduras. Instead, he's going to be placed with the nearest relative that can be found in America, that's what he said was going to happen. If Biden wants to begin returning minors to their families back home, then he could do it right now. All it takes is reversing himself on Title 42. Biden also said that Trump's policies had no effect on the, uh, at the border at this. Don't call it a crisis. And this is demonstrably false. Trump had gotten control of the border prior to the onset of the pandemic. And Biden blames Trump for reducing shelters for migrants. That's an absurd charge. Trump closed the surge facilities that were set up back in 2018, 2019, because they were no longer needed. And besides, Democrats agitated to have the facilities shut down. All right. That's a wrap for this episode. I do appreciate you listening. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, com. And um, as Biden says...
0: Folks, I'm going. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.